Namaste, everyone, and welcome to the Jai Bhakti Yoga podcast, where we share information on all things yoga, Ayurveda, and well-being lifestyle. I am excited to share these resources, insights, interviews, and so much more as we grow together on this wonderful journey of well-being. I am your host, Christina Andrini, founder of Jai Bhakti Yoga Foundation and JBYU School of Yoga and Ayurveda. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to our blog on Tumblr, as well as to follow us on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all the fun social media channels where we share some of the tips and insights and resources from our podcast and vice versa on here. Now let's go ahead and begin with today's episode. We are speaking with our dear friend and sister Tatiana Gonzalez, who's just joined us live from her home. And I just want to welcome her and this experience of Compartiendo Esperanza, and this is our series, four-week series that we have to highlight the importance and the conversations, the importance of the conversations of our Latino and Hispanic communities. Welcome, Tatiana. Hi, thank you for having me today. We're so excited to have this program launched, and we're glad to be a part of it. It's very important and needed in our community. Thank you so much. Um, I'd like to highlight that this is our conversation today. We open up last week. We uh, did a very high-level overview of what to expect this week and the weeks to come. And this will be in a uh, bilinguish, okay? We speak Spanish, English, and everything in between in this conversation. So you'll hear us doing all kinds of references. Uh, so our talking points today is mainly specifically based on the celebration, uh, celebrating the liberation from our cultural individualization. And it, it begins with the conversations around mental health and having these um, hard conversations within the Latino communities and within our families mm -hmm. specifically. Uh, I would like to open up the, the floor to Tatiana as she shares her story and explains the need for understanding each other's differences as a way to celebrate ourselves because of these differences and the liberation that it creates from harmony within diversity. Yes, thank you so much, Christina. So it's so important that throughout our discussion, we kind of are vulnerable space and examine where we are with our mental health and our journeys and perhaps evaluate how our culture has, you know, maybe put in a stop how we are able to express ourselves on health. Because I know one of the things we're going to talk about is how Latinx and Hispanic communities tend to really stigmatize mental health. And that's something that I experienced um, growing up. So just take a lot of moment to reflect where you are in your mental health journeys and how you can kind of, I guess, liberate yourself to seek help and to seek guidance. So I'll start by saying, you know, as a Hispanic and Latinx community, we are so diverse. We come from different regions of the world. We have, you know, different languages within our communities. And even though we are so different, we're also interconnected by a series of different factors, like our religion. A lot of us worship similar, the same religion. We have a very strong connection to our families. We also... Um, 
have a strong, resilient approach to life, which is my favorite, but we'll talk about how I think that's also kind of the thing that hinders us when we talk about our mental health. So we're so complex and we have such a rich history and we need to remind ourselves of that and how using that we can you know, see mental health as a beautiful way and make it part of our culture. Because right now it's not necessarily part of our culture and we need to you know, talk about it more. So I'll open up by sharing my mental health journey and how I got involved with NAMI. When I was in high school, I started experiencing severe panic attacks every single day. It was kind of like a clockwork routine. I would have dinner and then after that, I would hyperventilate, kind of get really lightheaded, not really understand what's going on because as we'll talk about, our culture tends to really focus on physical ailments instead of mental ailments. So when I was having these panic attacks, I, you know, I would tell my parents, I'm very lightheaded, but I just ate, so it can't be my blood sugar. Um, my stomach feels really swirly, but it's every day, so I know it's not from food or from anything, you know, like that. Um, one time, it got so severe, my pediatrician was actually my next-door neighbor, and I remember telling my parents, I really feel like I'm about to die. <laughs> like, I feel so horrible, I just... Like, I'm either about to faint or, you know, please take me over to my doctor and let's see what's going on. And at this point, I still didn't really know the term panic attacks. I didn't know the term anxiety really was a thing. Um, and we went to my pediatrician and she took every, you know, she took my blood pressure. She was like, you're fine. Everything is fine. And I was so disappointed because I knew, you know, mentally I was not fine. I felt so sick. Um and then later in my high school career, I lost two peers to suicide within 48 hours of each other. Uh, that really opened up my eyes to mental health and the world around it and how much we need to talk about And I helped start, you know, in college, building movement around mental health. But one of the things I realized was I was advocating for everyone else's mental health, but I wasn't doing it for my own. Because in my culture, we still... Like I knew what I was having. I knew I was having attack, like panic attacks, but we didn't talk like with my family members and my loved ones. We didn't talk about it in that term. We just kind of talked about it in the sense that life is so beautiful around you and you're so blessed. Why are you experiencing those symptoms? Why are you experiencing anxiety? You know, you're so resilient. You can get through this. Um, but I couldn't, you know, I was so hindered in life. I couldn't even go to uh, restaurants without panicking, or I couldn't even go to the grocery store without, you know, having severe panic attacks. It wasn't until, unfortunately, my junior year of college, which was not too long ago, that I finally realized I needed help. I needed to talk about why I can't live basic, you know, do normal life things without experiencing severe panic. And I was fortunate to have a therapist that was also a minority in the minority community and i remember her telling me you know a lot of our minority communities unfortunately don't seek help until it's too late until we have really hit the breaking point and we miss out on so much life and i remember with her we kind of went over how to be more self-compassionate with oneself and kind of identify you know that it's okay to talk about our problems and we don't have to necessarily fix things all the time. I think, you know, the Latinx Hispanic community, I love us for this, but it's also one of our biggest <laughs> faults is that we're always trying to fix everything. You know, we're always trying to 
put a bandaid on things and quickly get over it. Cause that's just how we've grown up in life. You know, there's always solutions to our problems. Like, you know, worry about this today, but tomorrow let's hustle. And I think that has impacted a lot of us and it's kind of, you know, taken a toll on a lot of our well-being. And, you know, for me, I went through years of struggle without, you know, without really realizing what anxiety was and without really talking about it in my family, you know, my family in Mexico, I still, like, we never talked about mental health there. It wasn't common at all. And now that I've moved to the United States, we do talk about it more because it's more part of the culture here than it is in our, you know, my home country. Um, So that's a little bit about my journey and why I started talking about, you know, mental health. And I'm such an advocate now for our community because I know that we're hurting. um, And I know that there's a lot of societal factors, especially with COVID, that have really impacted us, especially, um, which is why it's so important to share the stories of hope. Um, Compartiendo Esperanza. Gosh, thank you so much, Tatiana, for so much insightfulness. I really appreciate you sharing your story. And most importantly, you hit you hit so many beautiful points, uh, the stigmatization being one of them. And I'd love for you to elaborate on how Compartiendo Esperanza is going to support the stigmatization within our communities. Yeah, so right now, I think we really see mental health as a big elephant in the room. We kind of see it there, but we don't want to admit that it's, a problem in our society and we need to embrace it. And that's exactly what Compartiendo Esperanza is about. It's about sharing hope, which is what it translates to, Um, you know, sharing that there is resources out there that are available to the Latinx and Hispanic community, that there is people like you and I who are willing to talk about mental health and open up and to encourage others who might not, you know, be there in that moment, their journeys to open up about mental health. Um, so, you know, we can go over some specific barriers if you want that kind of talk about why our culture doesn't talk about mental health. Because I think once we realize our own barriers, maybe viewers watching can say, oh, that that's a barrier that I currently experience. So let's try to, you know, get past that. Um, so I know that cultural competence is one of our barriers to mental health. You know, like I said, we have such a resilient approach to life, but that can also really hurt, you know, our impact in mental health. We talk about physical ailments, and I always make the joke, like, just put Vicks paper rub on it. We're going to solve it. You know, my life's hurting. It's Vicks. Right? <laughs> I'm putting some Vicks on, but we can't put Vicks vapor rub on our brain and expect it to be solved. You know, we have to talk about um, so- you know, something that I like to joke about, we can't really fix our brain the way that we fix physical ailments. We have to actually work to get to that point and go to therapy or, you know, finally have that vulnerable conversation with our family members, which I know next series is what we're going to talk about. Um, But yes, once we realize that it's okay, yes, being resilient is so beautiful and it's such a wonderful part of our culture but sometimes it's okay to just admit that you're not okay and that you don't have to put you know Vicks paper rub on this and expect it to be gone you know there is help out there and it takes it is a journey to get to a place of healing but 
once you have that first vulnerable conversation with your loved one or someone, you know, a therapist, um, even a crisis chat line, once you have that, once you start that initial conversation, you're going to open up so many doors um, to healing. And, you know, like I know we really focused on liberating. So we're going to liberate our minds from a really dark place that we have had been in. This is so important to remember because the physical and the mental that come together here is, is just, it's a lot of that because we physically pour ourselves into every single thing that we do, no matter what it is, we are known as, you know, the worker bee, we are going to make stuff happen. We're going to make it get done no matter what it takes. And at the same time, we sacrifice so much and it's a double-edged sword because we sacrifice so much to provide for the very people that we care the most for. And at the same time, it's so hard for us to express ourselves to the very same people that we're caring for that know that care for us too. Right. But we pour ourselves into everything. But like you said, we forget to pour that back into ourselves too. Right. And that's a journey. You know, it's hard in our culture to have practice that self-compassion So that's something that I have to kind of remind myself daily is that you can't pour from an empty cup. You really have to fulfill yourself first before pouring out to others. And I think a lot of our community needs to realize that because, you know, we have those cultural factors as women. We're supposed to be supporting our family and our loved ones no matter what. You Women really put everyone above themselves before us. And I think that, you know, that's unhealthy. That's something that in our culture we need to reevaluate because that we can't always have everyone expecting everything out of us because we are going to break. Um, and it can lead to really, you know, harmful situations. Same with men. They're always supposed to be supporting the families and putting, you know, going to work and some, but men also have more stigma with mental health where they are afraid to be vulnerable, but show up to work. If you're in a state, that's just not okay. So that's something, too, that we need to really reevaluate as our Hispanic and, you know, Latinx culture. Absolutely. I, ha- I cannot agree with you more, especially for our, our male, our men in, in the Latino community. They have um, the macho, the wall. They don't want to be let down. They don't want to disappoint themselves, let alone disappoint anyone else, not to be looked at as not, you know, strong and and to be that rock for themselves and their family. So I re- I know that is so true. The provider, the mindset, the old way of being and the family traditions throughout our Latino communities, minority communities also in general that share in that same upbringing. Yes. Correct. I think correct. And the veil that the gentlemen wear from experience too, they silently suffering a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. And that's very dangerous. You know, when we start suffering by ourselves instead of sharing it with others, it's really um, dark places. And I know Latinos, some of the most common mental health conditions that we suffer is anxiety, major depression disorder, um, PTSD, and substance use. So, again, you know, it's very common in our communities, and especially our young adults right now, ages 18 through 29, experiencing really serious mental illnesses. But only half of Hispanic young adults who are experiencing mental illnesses are receiving help. So that's a huge number that there's so many of us that are still not 
at that point of getting help. And I used to be one of them. You know, I've spent years, five years with such crippling anxiety until I finally received help because it had gotten so bad that, you know, my life was so affected by it um, that I, you know, it's so important, again, to don't be like me and let so many years, <laughs> you know, go past that you weren't enjoying because I didn't have coping mechanisms that I now learned. Um, and we know that overall our community doesn't seek treatment as the same, you know, level as um, white, non-Hispanic and Latinx communities who seek it at 45%. Our communities seek it at 34%. Um, so again, that's a big difference. And only 20% of us talk about mental health with our doctors, but only 10% of us will then seek mental health treatment from a professional, which is again, such a small, small number of us actually seeking, you know, proper help because our doctors can provide, you know, help, but we need to see also mental health professionals have a more holistic approach um, to our healing as well. Yeah. You mentioned also um, this, that, that breaking point. And that's where we also get the stigma and the stereotype. Esos latinas son loca. They're crazy. Like, they're the craziest girls or the craziest guys. Like, oh my God, que está con un hombre así latino. Oh my God. Because we know, we also know that that breaking point, and this leads to habits what we call some scars, these habits and patterns that also lead to these major depression because, and I want to run statistics on it, but a lot of the time domestic abuse is found throughout the Latino culture big time. And it's that breaking point because of what each individual is going through, the female role running that role, the male running that role, both of them not being able to communicate with each other compassionately because of yet the other barrier of, I don't want to let my wife know that I'm weak. I don't want to let my husband know that I'm weak, right? Like we are still strong. We're still fire. We're a lot of fire. We don't let anything hold us down. That goes back to the resilience. And a lot of the time we see so much good in the other person that we remain where we are and we don't move from there because we know what that person is. We know what they are and we know that there's something wrong, pero que no puede poner el punto. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, we want, we want to be there for them, you know, for better or for worse. That's what we're here for. And nosotros que cogemos eso, like, con gana, like, we take that seriously, like, big time. That's why we pour ourselves into everything we do. Porque estamos así pegadito, pegadito con todo. And we're like in it to win it. We don't want to lose out and we don't want to let down our family, mm -hmm. our husband, our wife. And we and we do what we can. And then there creates those domestic abuse patterns, which not necessarily is hitting, but also verbally, mm -hmm. mentally, maybe neglect starts to form, the withdrawal process. Then... And here it lends itself into the girls specifically when they see their father withdrawing from mom and they see mom becoming everything. Mm -hmm. And the Latina, the girls themselves begin to grow in this, in this stigma themselves. They start to take on this nature. And this is why it's habitual within our communities because we see it. And because they at such a young age take on the role of best friend, sister, mom, and everything to mom. And they're... 
siblings, then that's where the depression starts to come and the overwhelm comes in. And 30% higher than non-Hispanic white girls are suicide yes, within our community. Mm-hmm. I was so gonna, it all trickle-down effect. Yes, there's a really high suicide rates within our young Latina you know, girls. And that's something that should really alarm us, that a lot of girls are dying by suicide at quicker, you know, at a fast pace. And, you know, we should never reach to the point where we could, you know, suicide. But, but there is unfortunate those barriers that prevent us from seeking help and that stigma that, you know, people see there's no way out. Um, but there is a way out. You know, there's hope, um, which is, again, why we're having these conversations so that you don't feel like you're in a place of you know being so alone in your community that you know there's people that you can trust to talk about your mental health or to talk about when you are in harmful and abusive relationships that you can and get out of them and you will be stronger because you chose to do so mm-hmm. and also we know it's difficult a lot of the time to face that you, you do need someone to talk to. It's okay to have a therapist. Yeah. I know that's a stigma within mostly the male population of the Latino community don't want to talk to anybody. They think that it's a, a form of weakness, but in actuality, it's a form of strength. Mm-hmm. And connecting to that vulnerability is a part of that cultural, that within that liberation that we went to circle back to. This entire conversation leads up to liberating ourselves and creating and gathering the resources para hacer eso. And NAMI.org provides a plethora of resources for you to go and share. And and not only for yourself, but for those that you know might need it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we're here to support you as well as Jai Bhakti Yoga Foundation, providing resources like these conversations for you to have this space and to write comments here and share things that are coming up for you that we can talk about. Yes. Some of the barriers that you spoke of um, happens to be language. Yeah. As one. Yes. Unfortunately, only 5% of therapists speak Spanish in the United States. So that's a very small, limited amount of our healthcare mental health professionals that can provide services to people who don't speak, you know, English. And it's already very hard for us to find words to our feelings because I said, like I said, we talk a lot about physical ailments that trying to find words for what we're feeling mentally is not really comfortable for us. So being, you know, I'm blessed to when I was five and pick up my link, you know, pick up English very quickly. But for those who, you know, were not able to speak, you know, bilingual, having to find being first going to see a therapist is a huge step, but then imagine not being able to fully express yourself to that therapist and perhaps that therapist also not being culturally competent to really understand what you're actually feeling because someone, like I said, they might explain, you know, tengo nervios, like I have nerves and the therapist, you know, think, oh, okay, well, you're just nervous, but that's really, you know, someone trying to say nervios can lead to anxiety or, you know, them experiencing, you know, depression or, you know, me duele el corazón, my heart hurts. You know, we always say that, um, you know, that's a physical ailment, but we're really trying to say, I feel lonely or I am a dark, a dark place. And again, a therapist that's not culturally competent might take that very literal. Um, they might take, you know, 
your symptoms of anxiety, like your stomach aches or your, you know, headaches, very literal and really digest what's actually happening mentally. So there is unfortunate still one of the barriers to access to care is not having enough bilingual therapists. Um, But you can, we will talk about um, directories that are made just for the Latinx community that you can search to find within your community that can offer that support um, to you. And we'll also share those resources along with a survey that we're conducting to really receive your feedback on so much of your limitations and barriers so that we can provide resources as a collective to educate and empower our Latino communities and Hispanic communities. Yes. And I know I'm sorry. Go ahead. Here, you know, your status, a legal barrier to access to care. Um, If you are not legally in this country, you might be afraid that by accessing care, you're going to be deported. There are resources available in different communities that are available to non-documented immigrants. um, And, you know, for children, too, there's that fear of separation. If your child is going through something, you don't want to get them help because there might be um, separated from their communities. But right now, your child can get, you know, the proper mental health care without fear of um, deportation. So that's something else that, you know, really makes another really strong barrier to accessing mental health. And it probably creates a lot of anxiety, even thinking of ways to get help without fearing, you know, being deported. Right. On top of all that fear, right? All of those blockages too. And then on top of that, health insurance. Yes. (laughs) We have a very low amount of um, Latinx communities are actually insured. 19% of our community has no form of health insurance and Guatemalans have the highest rates of uninsurance in this country. So, uh, you know, not being proper insurance to get mental health care um, is a very significant barrier. And also poverty, you know, we experience poverty rates at higher levels than, you know, other communities here in this country. And unfortunately, COVID-19 took an extra toll on the Latinx community. It actually impacted our community the hardest. Um, And just having that extra barrier, you know, people who live in poverty are more at risk for developing a mental illness and vice versa. People who are mentally ill are more at risk of being, you know, in poverty. So again, we have these barriers that are kind of already set there before we can really even have the chance to, you know, they're already put in place. So it's so important as a culture to talk about these barriers, whether you are Hispanic and Latinx or you're not, you just want to help the community, you know, to find ways to heal because we are hurting, especially with COVID-19. Again, we have such strong family bonds, not being able to see our family members or travel to where our family is from. Um, That's what happened to me. I was supposed to go to Mexico in the summer and COVID-19 happened and I haven't seen them in years. And that hurts, you know, because we're so bonded to even our third cousins, we think of them as our first. <laughs> so not being family members during this time has also taken a really big hit on, you know, our community. That isolation is is challenging and it does add that additional layer. Yes. We did have a, a talk on this not so long ago. Y'all can visit uh, 
a past cast that we did here on IG Live TV about isolation <clears throat> and overcoming the depression um, with Maria Colleen. And we also mention uh, acculturation um, and how we, we uh, embrace or adopt the predominant culture. And can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So one of the things that is a barrier to accessing healthcare is how willing you are to adapt to your new culture. So those who have adapted more to being here in this country and who kind of have navigated the system better and know, you know, what to expect from, you know, these different cultural norms are more likely to receive mental health care than those who have not fully embraced, um, you know, this culture. So alteration is another barrier. If you're not able to embrace where you are for whatever reasons, there's more barriers for you to accessing healthcare. I want to give a, a big shout out to, um, to Miami, Florida, <laughs> because Miami, Florida has a very strong Guano community mm -hmm. and they come together and even though they have a way of becoming more Americanized, they have also been able to be a support system for their community. And that is, is so inspiring. And we can learn from that as a collective um, in the Latino culture and South American culture, because they've come to America, be it documented or undocumented. They've come to Miami and added flavor and added spice and added culture and color and music and they've added a lot to the the Safa Fe of of um Miami, Florida and actually created their own country almost. It feels like you know you go to Miami to tenés que hablar español porque si no right and it is is very inspiring but also there's Supporting each other. Mm -hmm. There's doctors, there's mental health care centers, I mean, down to car dealerships, everything run and operated by Cubans right. for Cubans. Mm -hmm. And that is very inspiring for us to take a little leaflet para ponerlo por acá and por allá and por todo lado de Estados Unidos. We really need it here all over. Yeah. All over. And I, absolutely. Something, you know, that's a barrier too is you're a lot of people are afraid that they're going to stand out too much and discrimination you know in the latinx community we do face it i know i still to this day face some minor you know what microaggressions or just flat out racism you know we do experience it recently my you know next door app which you can see different neighbors um there was a post about um well we're not helping anyone here because we're helping you know mexicans and it just you know, it's so incorrect, but, you know, just seeing that, knowing, well, that's, you know, that person's just being ignorant, but it still hurts deep down because, you know, you ask why, why do we face discrimination when we mean no wrong um, in this, you know, in this society? Why are we continuing to face backlash from society um, when we are just here to help and to work hard? Uh, so discrimination still, even for me, you know, plays a big role in my mental health when I see comments like the one I saw last week. It just still plays in my head, and it makes me so angry to think that people still think of that way about other cultures and society and think that we're taking from them when we're not. You know, we're all in this together. The world is already hard to navigate. 
we don't need to add more to it. We don't need to add more um, discrimination because that's another barrier to people seeking care. This is very true because the other thing is, you know, we are a combination too. We are we are a mixture of cultures. Mm-hmm. And so there are Latinos que, que son, you know, pretito, que they're dark, very dark skin, you know, very curly, curly hair. My hair, if I don't straighten it, is super curly, mm-hmm. right? My skin's very dark. I tan very quickly. I get, you know, I get, what are you, Indian? Are you Egyptian? Are you Spanish? Are you, where, what are you, you know? We all go through, the, oh, you're a white girl right? We get everything from both sides. And it's, it's kind of hurtful in a way too, because it's, we're misunderstood a lot. And the same prejudices and discriminations that you speak about is true because I've witnessed it being lighter skin at times, like a chameleon, my skin changes color, like if I'm not in the sun. And I've witnessed it where I've seen someone darker than me who's Puerto Rican or Dominican and be turned down. And because I look a certain way with no accent, I was able to do what the very same thing they were able to do. Right. And of course I called it out and I said, well, I'm no different than them. Right. You know, I, and then when I started speaking Spanish, big eyes. Right. Yeah. And this happens a lot in this culture and in this demographic and in wherever we go, really. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we need to address and be mindful of. Yeah. What are some resources that you can share that will support this cultural liberation within our community so we can come into our wholeness and yeah. we can be okay with, hey, I'm different and I'm okay with being different because this is who I am. Right. That's me. Well, the first- sure that. Compartiendo um, Esperanza, if you be a leader in this movement and you want to get trained on how to share your story and how to be a voice to those who don't have a voice, you can actually reach out to me and we can share um, the facilitation guide for you to go into your communities and be able to share, you know, this message of hope. And I know Christina and I have kind of tailored it to a four-week series that we talk about different, you can really customize it to what you think you know, your community needs where you are. Um, another one is the American Society of Hispanic Psychiatry, which um, focuses on Latinx communities. And you can go on there and find a portal that will help you search different therapists in your area or other mental health resources. Um, a really good one is Therapy for Latinx, which is a database that you can go to and find different therapists who speak Spanish or are bilingual and are more culturally competent to understand what you're going through. So that's a really good database. And Mental Health America also has a really good, um, lots of information on their website on even how to lead discussions about mental health with your loved one. So going to their website um, is definitely a good resource. And again, you know, we here at NAMI, Louisiana, you know, you can give us a call if you're ever in need of resources. Uh, We will be more than happy to connect you with someone that can adequately provide care to you. So we just want our community to know that, you know, we are here for you and that you don't have to be alone with your mental health. Because even if you don't have, I think it's important to understand that 
even if you don't have a mental health diagnosis, at some point, you're going to experience um, a problem with mental health, whether it's dealing with severe grief of a loved one or a really difficult moment in your life, you're going to experience loneliness or, you know, deep, you know, you've reached the bottom. We've all, we're all going to go through something really hard in our lives that if we don't learn how to express it, it's going to really set us back from, you know, healing and moving forward. So that's also really important to know, I think, in our community is even if you don't have a mental illness, you should still be mentally healthy. <laughs> you know, you should still find ways to be vulnerable and talk to people when you're not feeling well instead of internalizing it. Part of becoming liberated is facing the challenges, right? A lot of the times we fight for liberation and a lot of our countries have fought very, very hard for the libertad que tienen. And the same for a lot of our general generational progressive uh, movements that have also had a lot of resistance mm -hmm. to get to where they are today to have the freedoms that we have today. Mm -hmm. And now with the with our women and men and, and our transgender communities and gay communities that are coming out in their fullness, in their wholeness, this is our time to come out and share because we're also going into a season mm -hmm. that we all know that brings a lot of emotions when we come into the holidays. Yes. But we need to be able to sit with that and, and, and feel those feelings, mm -hmm. feel all the feels, <laughs> feel all the feels. Because in order for one to find complete liberation, we need to be free within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that means letting go of old attachments. That means go, being okay with what is and controlling your controllables. Whatever you can control, just let it be. Give it to God. Dale a Dios, porque es una mano de diferente, no solo tú. You know, you gotta let it all go. You're given what you're given for your own path and your own development. Right. And Satiana is an example of growth and liberation and freeing herself from mental boundaries, emotional boundaries, and spiritual boundaries. You know, we have our paradigms, we have our barriers, but being able to find those freedoms within ourselves will create the most liberation because that's when you can connect to all things without holding yourself back from anything. Yes, definitely. That's why we are so proud of ourselves and proud of our culture and proud of our fiery personalities because that's who we are. We are passionate. We don't argue. We're passionate. We don't yell. We just are very excited about something, you know? That's all. <laughs> we need to justify these things, y'all. <laughs> but it's true. We pour so much of ourselves into everything, and we're just misunderstood. Let's just leave it there. We're just misunderstood. And that's part of the beauty of our freedom, mm. you know? It's, it's part of the, 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 the spice, the flavor of life that we add as Latinos in this community. And it's also the spice you add to your own life mm -hmm. when you embrace it yourself. Be yeah. okay with being picante. Be okay with being fire because you are. You are. I love it. So much love. Yes. And Tatiana, will you do us a favor? Yeah. And share those resources with us 
down below in the comments today. And also if you email me those and we'll share it with our community along with our survey that we're doing over the next four weeks so that we can create more sustainable and more opportunities for everybody to have those resources at your fingertips. Thank you all so much for participating in today's wonderful podcast. As always, it's such a joy and an honor to share in the space with all of you and hold the space together as a collective. I invite you to support my life's work on Teachable. For those of you that would like continuing education units, Teachable will be the go-to for your membership. I'm looking forward to growing together and meeting you all. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram and introduce yourself. I would love to follow you back and subscribe to our YouTube channel for free classes that are posted weekly. Looking forward to our next chat together and I'll see you online, in person, in an immersion or on this podcast. See you soon. From my heart to yours, much love and namaste.